Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. I'm feeling better and it makes me smile. Thanks to Subway's Jared, I have a whole new style. Hi, I'm Jared the Subway Guy, and this is my story. Young guy eats too much junk food and gains a lot of weight. Guy changes his life by eating at Subway twice a day. I'm Jared the Subway Guy. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster podcast with hosts Amy and Kevin. <laughs> I accidentally typed it wrong and forgot to. Bell check it. So yes, he's Kevin this week. And we're coming at you with episode 31, Garbage People Regurgitated, Jared Fogel. Ooh. As promised. Jared Fogel. What a guy. Yeah, he's sure something. What a guy. So this is sort of an extra episode to kind of get things back on track and get to where I wanted to be for us. And we'll be getting these episodes out earlier in the week. But to say we're sorry, we're going to give you Jared Fogel. <laughs> yeah, this is our apology. <laughs> the, the subway, the subway guy. All right, well, it all starts with Peter Buck, a nuclear physicist. and Which is pretty crazy. Yeah, <laughs> those meatball subs are nuclear. On the way out. So him and Fred DeLuca, a college student, opened Pete's Super Super Submarines in 1965 in Bridgeport, Connecticut. On the first day, the shop sold 312 sandwiches, each costing less than $1. In 1968, the two founders rebranded the shop and called it Subway. By 1974, the company had 16 shops throughout Connecticut. Yeah, and there's just, like, this insane exponential growth that, like, no fast food business has ever seen. And it was in 2002 that Subway actually surpassed the amount of McDonald's there were in the world. And so, I mean, they were seeing exponential growth from the second they opened up until 2002. And then it just blew up. And it's only been... I. Th- I think I read somewhere like in 2018 or maybe even 2016, like right after the Jared Fogel thing, they, or maybe even right before the Jared Fogel thing, they started to see a little bit of decline and it's been this kind of steady, small decline since. You know, a thought just popped in my head and Uh-oh. it's probably going to be an unpopular one. But Well, then maybe don't turned, say it. This was more about pedophiles in our society that maybe he was also the poster boy for pedophiles who like sandwiches. Jared was. And so when he left, their sales went down because the pedophiles stopped getting their footlongs. I I don't even know. <laughs> that 
that's not an unpopular opinion. That's like a, it's a wrong opinion. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. All right. Keep going. Well, anyways. Pedophile in, sandwiches. Yes. I mean, pedophiles got to eat. Subway. <laughs> <laughs> that's their new slogan. <laughs> Subway, a pedophile's got <laughs> I like it. It's, it's catchy. It's better than eat fresh. Yeah. It's more honest. Yeah, it's just out there. So, 1998, Jared was a student at Indiana University, weighing in at a whopping 425 pounds. Woo. Hell yeah, that's a whole lot of pedophile. His father was a physician, so he often heard about the unhealthy risks of his morbid obesity. Dead by 40 was his father's sad prognosis. Jesus, could you imagine saying that to your 18-year-old son? <laughs> You're going to be dead in 22 years. <laughs> no wonder. No, not no wonder. Never mind. He probably had a lovely life, fucking asshole. I mean, he was privileged enough to weigh 425 pounds. It's true. Fogel had tried all the popular weight loss programs and failed. While attending university, he lived in an apartment building with a Subway sandwich shop at the front door. It's just funny to think, too, that, like, his diet kind of started potentially out of convenience. Like, this Subway is literally, like, his front door. Yeah. What if it had been, like, an ice cream shop? Do you think he lived in the walk-in? <laughs> Because he just walked in the front door of Subway. But, I've never had to go through a Subway well, sub I mean, shop to think, get to anyone's house. I mean, I, it's just saying it was by his front door. It wasn't literally in his apartment complex. I'm reading this very literally. <laughs> but it's just funny to think that, like, if it had been any other place, like an ice cream shop or, like, a bakery or something, he probably just would have gained more weight, you know? But yeah. it just so happens that it was a Subway. <laughs> Subway was the front door of his house, and he... <laughs> it was next to the front door of his apartment complex. He didn't literally live in a subway. <laughs> and he ate lunch and dinner there almost daily. Usually, he had a steak sandwich or two with extra cheese. When the chain adopted its 7 for 6 ad campaign, seven sandwiches, each with less than 6 grams of fat, Fogel decided it would be easy to make their ad campaign his diet. Jared Fogel's diet. Ready for this? Coffee for breakfast. Oh, so this is like instructions in case we want to yeah. be on the Jared Fogel diet? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh-oh. Don't ask about what dessert. Okay. <laughs> so coffee for breakfast. For lunch, a six-inch turkey sub with a small bag of baked lay chips and a Diet Coke. And for dinner, a foot-long veggie sub and a Diet Coke. On the sandwiches, no cheese, no mayonnaise, but plenty of lettuce, green peppers, banana peppers and pickles, and a dab of mustard. No snacks and no cheating. <laughs> Exercise, of course, was not part of Fogel's plan, but after a few months, he noticed he had more energy and started walking to class. Toward the end of his diet, he was walking about a mile and a half daily. After his massive 245-pound weight loss in 1999, his story was picked up by his college newspaper in an article called From Thick to Thin, 
After dropping 245 pounds, Senior Gains New Perspective on Life by Ryan Coleman in 1999 in Men's Health Magazine as an article about weird diets that work. Yeah, so he yeah got written up about a couple of times. Subway contacted him after hearing his story and hired him in 2000 as a spokesman. His story helped customers see Subway as a healthy choice, and over the next decade, the chain's sales nearly tripled. He had a lucrative 15-plus year career with Subway. Here are some highlights. 2002, South Park lampooned Fogel in an episode called Jared Has AIDS. (laughs) Pun intended. What's the pun? You know, it's spelled A-I-D-E-S. Oh, like someone who helps him? Maybe he just has AIDS. No, that would be A-I-D-S. Fogel told the Washington Post it was very flattering. (laughs) So weird. 2008, a subway campaign called Tour de Pants. Uh, That's the pun. It's the Tour de France. That's way more of a pun than Jared has AIDS. This was celebrating Fogel's decade of keeping off the weight with a 10-city tour to fight childhood obesity, after which Jared retired his old 60, his size 60 pants. Yeah, and it was also around this time that he started the Jared Foundation, which was his sham of a nonprofit that kind of went alongside of the Tour de Pants. And basically, he just started the organization so he could get schools and businesses to donate to it so he could just pocket it basically and what's crazy is that the website is still up really and it's still like accepting donations and stuff and when i was looking at the website there's like all these different factions that you can join like there's the club 245 which is like if you donate 245 dollars to uh you know kind of symbolize the 245 pound weight loss that he had yeah like you get like certain perks like you could fucking hang out with jared or something i don't know um really yeah and then there was like a kid's jogging club where you could have a -a jogathon on jared's behalf basically like you were allowed to like use his name or whatever to get people interested to like raise money for your school It's a very weird website where it's just asking for money (laughs) and that's it. Like, and I've heard there was another podcast that we listened to about Jared Fogel called Let's Go to Court, which is a great podcast. I haven't listened to many episodes. I just mostly listened to the Jared Fogel episode, but I've heard it be recommended on a lot of other podcasts and they just talked about how it was such a sham of a nonprofit organization that the $5 a year that it cost to register the nonprofit's name. He didn't even pay that in the time. Oh, right. (laughs) In the time that the organization was around. And, like, it raised somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, a million dollars or something, and they could not find any records of it going to anything other than his big fat pants. Wow. And remember what they said at the – there was, like, something else that we read or watched – where it said at the end of the 10-city tour of his decade of not being a fat ass, he wanted to donate his pants to, like, the Smithsonian or something. Really? The Smithsonian? Well, they want, he want, I don't think they wanted them, but he was like, I'm going to donate these pants. They're legendary. 
How many kids do you think you can fit in his pants? Uh, too many. <laughs> Good answer. So, 2014, Fogel makes a cameo appearance in the TV movie Sharknado 2, the second one. He returned for Sharknado 3 the following year, but his appearance was cut when charges were filed against him. Fogel became one of the most recognizable faces in the fast food industry, and in 2013 was estimated to be worth about $15 million, according to the New York Daily News. In November 2006, Rochelle Herman Walrand, a former journalist in Florida and radio host, had Jared on a radio show after their first encounter where he made a suggestive comment about middle school children calling girls of that age hot. Uh, quote, I was stunned. I was shocked, she recalled. Eventually, she began re recording Fogel. <clears throat> yeah, well, okay, before that, real quick. She actually said that she went straight to the police, and because he didn't live in Florida, he lived in Indian Indiana at the time, they said that they couldn't file, like, he wasn't a resident of Indiana. She couldn't prove that any crime had taken place in Florida, so they basically said, well, you're just going to have to go to the FBI because that's the only faction that has jurisdiction over everyone. Right. And so it's just kind of crazy. She hears that one comment from Jared. It bothers her. She goes to the police. And the next thing you know, she's like becoming like an FBI informant, you know? Yeah. It's like it escalated quick. But then what's weird is how long it took for the next step, you know? Eventually, she began recording Fogel and saving text messages between them. She brought them to the FBI, and that's when the FBI asked her to become the informant. After that, she began developing a relationship with Fogel, and she said she began, quote, baiting him. She said he seemed to almost instantly trust her. After amassing five, year, five years' worth of recordings... I know, see how long that took? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Herman Walren finally reached her breaking point when Fogel mentioned her two young children. And we listened to that footage. You you can hear her get super uncomfortable. He's all, hey, what about your kids? And she's all, oh, what about my kids? You know, like it's... Yeah, wrong number, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what Jared said. Quote, what if we put a camera in your kid's room? Would they be okay with that? He asked her in the recording. Quote, would you rather have it in your son or your daughter's room? Ugh. Which one do you think would be better? And that's when she's like, okay, I can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. He talks about how to groom a family. And he talks about how to groom the victim. And he talks about all the things he does, all the tricks of his trade, was what Dr. Phil said. Fogel's attorney argued that... Oh, yeah, because the tapes were released on like a two... Part episode of Dr. Phil. Yep. Yeah. Fogel's attorney argued that the charges were somewhat mitigated by the fact that he had sex with teenage girls who were around 16 and 17 years old, not young children. So that was his defense. Yeah. And well, the, yeah, elaborate. <laughs> they argued that longer sentences should be used for criminals who have sex with much younger children and asked for a five year sentence instead. So five for 15 and 15 for five? Is that the new ad campaign? <laughs> Five for 15. The younger the girl, the better. That wasn't for me. 
According to court documents, that was Jared Fogle's request in November 2012 to a 17-year-old prostitute. Which we know the more acceptable term is sex worker, but that's just what it says. Fogle had just paid her for sex at the storied Plaza Hotel in New York, across from Central Park. But he wanted more. A girl even younger than 17. <laughs> Vogel's desires, however, went well beyond sex with underage girls. He also had a taste for child pornography. Blech. Court records show. A depravity... Ex- depravity. A depravity extending to kids as young as six engaging in sexual activity. <sighs> that is fucking... Disgusting. Disgusting. Some of it was commercial pornography made outside the United States, but some of it was secretly recorded in the home of the man who headed Fogel's charitable foundation. And they were children that Fogel knew. So that's the little cherry on top there. That is fucking over the top, sir. Those were only some of the sordid details of Fogel's secret life revealed in federal court documents. On the stand, forensic psychiatrist John Bradford testified by phone that Fogel's rapid weight loss is what led to his criminal desires. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quote, once he lost weight, it seemed as though in a short time he had hypersexuality. Bradford said, quote, there are brain disorders that can be associated with sexual drive. He was mostly attracted to females who were teenagers who were 14 to 17 years of age. His attraction was at the high end of that range. So they're trying to like downplay this thing. And call it what? (laughs) Mild pedophilia. That's what Bradford called Fogel's pedophilia. Quote, mild pedophilia. Quote, there's no evidence I know he molested a child. 16 or 17 year olds are not pre-pubertal children. This was not a successful defense. (laughs) They threw out this testimony, and it probably hurt him more than it helped. <laughs> I'm just a soft murderer, a mild murderer. Yeah, and you killed him with a soft bat. I killed him with kindness. <laughs> In trial, Fogel reportedly sobbed as he recounted how he'd hurt his family and his wife, who would be a single mother should he go to prison. And he was only using that to gain sympathy from the judge. He was just like, what will my family do without me? And so the judge comes back with what? Quote, you gave your wife $7 million, so she'll be okay. (laughs) Yeah. Six weeks after Jared was arrested, his wife Kathleen McLaughlin uh, filed for divorce and full custody of their two kids. Which she got. Good for her. I mean, it's not like he's going to be able to raise his kids from prison. Jared did finally agree to a plea deal and agreed to pay $1.4 million in restitution to 14 of the victims, who will each receive $100,000. He will also participate in a treatment program for sexual disorders. January 2016, Fogel was attacked in the prison recreation yard by a fellow inmate, 60-year-old Stephen Nigg. In a New York Post article... Inmate who beat up Jared Fogel receiving tons of fan mail. That's the name of the article. (laughs) That's a good one. Writer Chris Perez says that Stephen has been getting a ton of fan mail and other forms of love from sex abuse victims and random people on the outside. Yeah, they're like sending him money to go in his commissary and stuff. 
Yeah. So apparently this dude beat up Fogel because he thought his sentence was too light. I mean, so at this point, Jared Fogel has paid out one and a half million dollars to his victims. He had a fine of like $175,000. I don't know why we didn't say that, but yeah, on top of that. So again, about a million and a half dollars deep. But again, he's worth $15 million. And then basically after that, he was forced to hand over half of what he had, which is $7 million. So at this point, he still has $7 million potentially, you know. That's enough money to buy you some protection in jail if you need it. And so one of the reasons that the guy wanted to beat up Jared Fogle was just, one, he thought the sentence was too light because he was serving 15 years for, like, breaking parole on, like, a gun charge. Right. From like a previous armed robbery. But I don't think that it's not like he did another armed robbery. It's just like he had a he had a gun he wasn't supposed to have and he was out on parole. So he wasn't even much of a violent offender, like reoffender at that point. He was just serving a sentence for breaking parole. Not that he sounds like he's a great guy or anything, but he also just saw this guy walking around with, you know, basically hired bodyguards people that he's giving money to in jail and he right. just got mad. He's just like this dude think he's, he thinks he fucking owns people. He doesn't have a heavy enough sentence. Like fuck this guy. So he just, he beat him up. It said something like he like scratched him and like, like m- made his nose bleed. It wasn't super serious, but it was enough that it put him in solitary for a little bit. Gave him an atomic wedgie. <sighs> He deserves millions of those. And so these are some messages from people that he received in prison. God bless you and know that there are many of us who stand shoulder to shoulder with you, said one person. Our society may have been too severely weakened these days to administer proper judicial punishment, but the American sense of integrity, when offended, will be satisfied in one way or another by courageous brothers who will stand up for the weak when they cannot defend themselves. Yeah, that's pretty serious. It's a good one. I like that. Another fan wrote, quote, I've never written to a prisoner before, but after reading your story, I had to tell you, thank you. <laughs> Caps. Sorry you got put into solid solitary, but please know that myself and my organization that works with child rape victims are very, very thankful for what you did. (laughs) We all know that peace is the best way, but again, in this case, thank you for what you did to that horrible rapist monster. (laughs) Now stay out of trouble, and we'll keep praying for you. So, it's getting some love. I was reading all these stories in that article, and there was a kid who wrote to him and just gave him $2 in the letter. I thought thought that was very sweet. Go buy some smokes. (laughs) In 2017, Jared's now ex, Kathleen, tried to sue Subway, arguing that Subway knew that he was a pedophile years before he was caught and had used her marriage to Fogel to, quote, ground their valuable pitchman and that the company had then created a campaign depicting a wholesome narrative of Mr. Fogel's life and emergence as a family man. Unfortunately, her claim was dismissed. And Walden, I guess, left like a, she like went on the subway website and the one that was like undercover for the FBI. Right. She was an informant more so, but she kind of was acting undercover. And she like left like a comment on the subway corporate website about Jared Fogel. And apparently like 
a PR rep had gone up to him. Like, it seems like they they had multiple opportunities to at least start to look into it or maybe. It seemed like he was on the radar. He seemed like he was on the radar I would, and since about 2011. And they were like, well, he's not technically an employee, so he can't do anything, right? I think it was also like, he's probably not acting on it. I think that was part of it, too. Like, we can't know for sure because the case was dismissed because there wasn't enough evidence. And I think it was out of their jurisdiction. It was kind of one of those things where he crossed county and state lines to have sex with these minors. And so... That's what made it federal, right? Yeah, and that's where it would be hard to put a case against Subway because it happened in so many different spots. And so I think she tried to file in state court, like in Indiana state court, but none of the crimes happened in Indiana. So that's why they actually had to dismiss the charges. And for some reason, I, I, she just didn't go any further because I just don't think she had the evidence. It's like it's hearsay and she's probably correct. But there's just nothing that they can do with it, really. It just sucks. He's yeah. a terrible fucking person who probably, not even probably, he ruined her life. We watched interviews with her, and she's broken, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, she fucking loved him. And then... They were a young couple that were very happy, very well off, and had two beautiful kids. And she thought she was with her soulmate. And so then to just have this fucking, to find out that like, the love of your life is a fucking child rapist and then on top of that to find out this multi-billion dollar corporation potentially knew about it and maybe even kind of played you to keep him quote-unquote grounded and for the publicity of him being like a family man that feels like a stab in the back after you're already down you know well yeah yeah totally yeah in 2017 which was the year of filing claims against people Jared filed a motion that since he was a sovereign citizen, it was illegal to arrest him, charge him, and detain him. That didn't work. In 2018, <laughs> Jared Fogle tried to sue federal authorities and his former attorneys, claiming they had tricked him into pleading guilty to child porn and sexual misconduct charges that had no basis in laws. So the guy that headed his Jared foundation whatever it was oh yeah the russell guy he got arrested for child porn too yeah and he, i think his he got like a like a 27 year sentence or something but i think that he his stuff was dismissed because i think he basically testified against fogel or something yeah something happened in the last couple of years where i think they reversed yeah. his yeah he it, he cooperated a lot he was the one that worked for his organization and was like basically sending Jared Fogel a bunch of child porn. It's just kind of crazy to think that Jared Fogel was able to have this web of pedophiles that he could like hang out with. You know, he had like somebody who was helping to head his organization and then the fake friend who was getting information. But in his mind, she was a fedo, fellow, fedo, <laughs> a fellow pedophile as well. So it was just like, it's such a strange thing that he thought that he was surrounding himself with all these other pedophiles and stuff. It's just so not a world that I luckily am privy to at all, you know? Yeah, no, that's for sure. So on that, so he was suing the court for $57 million in basically damages. Weirdly, that didn't work either. It looks like the former fatty 
will be stuck behind bars for his whole sentence, 15.6 years, which is about the age of most of his victims. He also sought to have the judge removed from his case, saying that she was biased because she had a teenage daughter at the time of his trial. That didn't work either. In a recent interview, ex-inmate Mark Brooks says Fogel looks quote-unquote fit and healthy and is apparently living his best life, at least according to a man who served eight months there with the piece-of-shit pedophile. (laughs) He's living a life in there, Brooks told the Daily Mail. He's eating well, working out, cooking, not a care in the world. Brooks also said that 41-year-old Fogel spends most of his time watching movies, eating fancy foods, making crafts, and even gambling. It sounds pretty nice. It sounds like, remember that Gary Glitter jail that he was... Why do pedophiles get nicer jails than murderers? I I don't know. That's not fair. Because Gary Glitter... His, his sounded like a place I would want to spend some time at. Because they're like fucking millionaires. Yeah. So they must. I mean, because I think Martha. I, it's also minimum security. And it's in Colorado. It's like club fed. They've got a movie theater. A fully equipped gym with weights. Ellipticals. Stairmasters. Cable weights. Outside, they have a baseball field. Tennis court. Soccer field. Horseshoe pits. A bocce ball court. And a what cornhole. What the fuck is a cornhole? <laughs> you don't know what a cornhole is? I've heard, I, I think played, I know what a cornhole is. You've played it before. It's like those boards with the holes in them that's and the cornhole? bean bags. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's cornhole. Oh. <laughs> okay. There are also pool tables, ping pong tables, and dart boards, and Fogel is just free to roam around. You know what I was also just thinking? Right I don't now? have those things anyway. Right I'm now, not going to be that person. We can't go to the gym because coronavirus, but I bet him and his little club fed you know who just can go hit up the gym right now. Joe Exotic just tested positive for coronavirus. He, what? He probably has it. Like we were saying, the prison population is getting at way higher rates than the, and, and like they're not necessarily dying, they're getting treated, but. He's like put in, put in, put into isolation and stuff right now. Breaking news. Well, no, it's kind of old. Oh. <laughs> he gets a lot of downtime. There's a recreation station with cards, Monopoly, Risk, so he can sit outside in the sun and chill with his sex offender buddies. He's got time to play Risk. Jesus I know. Christ. I know. What a dick. He also got a cooking degree. Jared Fogel, you are officially a garbage person in the true crime dumpster. Yeah, fuck you very much. You. Alongside of Mary Kay Letourneau, Casey Anthony, and Michael Peterson. What a fun club that is. Yeah, well, the list is long. We'll have more. Yeah. So stay tuned. So that's it for this week or this couple of days. We're going to be coming out. Yeah, for today. We need, you know, we're, we want to keep this kind of short. But what do you think, Kevin? You really can't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, he was some <laughs> milk-ass toast-looking dude. Talk about basic bitch. <laughs> Jared Fogel was a basic bitch, but like... Those are the ones that you got to look out for. Yeah. Because they are secret pedophiles. Yeah, you know, it reminds me of that thing that Variety Jones said to Ross Ulbricht. Remember, he was like asking him like about he he had a dream about him being a serpent or a snake. Oh, right. And he was like, your weakness is that you don't even know the difference between what was it? 
he was basically saying he didn't know the difference between like a gardener snake and a viper and a gardener snake and a viper right meaning that he doesn't know how to sense danger like yeah i think like ross was all asking him like are you a serpent and he was like even if i was you wouldn't know if i was venomous or not like you're not asking the right questions Mm -hmm. you know and so that it just kind of came to me when we were talking about jared fogel is like he looks like a gardener snake but he's a fucking viper Ooh. Ooh. Good one. Yeah. Snake in the grass for sure. Yeah. A pedophile snake in the grass. Oh. If we could have just gone back in time and he could have choked on one of those footlongs. Yeah. Problem solved. I'm also, I, I also really hate when just any huge corporation gets away with basically murder or corruption and they're able to just kind of wipe away that image really quickly. I mean, there are old Nazi companies that are still around today. Like, you know. Oh, you mean Bayer, Bayer. that bought Monsanto? You mean those guys that but I'm just saying, make like, all of our drugs like, and food? <laughs> it, just, it just seems like there are certain organizations that maybe should go under because of terrible things that happen. I'm not saying that necessarily. The thing with Subway that kind of sucks is that most of them are like franchises. So you're really hurting the franchise owner, the individual who put in their hundreds of thousands of dollars to own that chain, you know? Mm-hmm. And he hurt those individual people. I just hate that he got off on $1.4 million for like the 14 victims that he had. And that Subway, I don't think they ever came out with like a statement or anything, you know? And I don't know. I just, it feels very, very, very dirty. And there's all this stuff happening right now with Trump and the all the restaurant organizations that helped back him with, like, money. You heard about that? I have not. What? I'm surprised. A bunch of corporations came together, like Taco Bell, and I don't want to name ones that aren't. Taco Bell, Wendy's, I don't know if Panera was on there. Don't quote me on that. Panera is actually owned by an old Nazi family as well. But they all pulled together and donated money to his campaign. It was like $400,000. And so a lot of people are saying, ban, you know, don't go to those restaurants. I just know for a fact that Taco Bell and Wendy's are on that list. You shouldn't go to those restaurants anyways. Yeah, I, I, I looked at the whole list and I don't go to any of them. So it's not a big deal at all. But what they were saying is like another group of people are saying that like, hey, listen, a lot of those businesses are owned by franchise owners. So it's one thing to ban the product or ban the people who are at the top of those companies. But like a lot of the individual restaurants are owned by independent people that aren't part of a larger. They they aren't the ones who donated that money to Trump. So it's like a very complicated thing when you start to get into franchises as well, where it's sort of a corporation, but it's sort of not. And that's one of the reasons that Subway was able to kind of proliferate like it did. Yeah, exactly. And they were making, I was reading this Business Insider article that was talking about it can be like as little as like $126,000 to basically start a franchise of Subway. But it's $1 to $1.2 million to start a McDonald's. Like, and that's one of the reasons that it proliferated like it did. And they also encourage people to be creative about where they put their subways, which is why we see them inside of Walmarts, inside of, you know, fucking weird, like inside of like 7-Elevens and stuff. But I don't know. I don't know why. I just bring this up because it's just like, I just feel like they should have come out with some kind of statement or something. You know, it just feels very hollow 
to basically financially support and approve of a guy that you potentially knew was a pedophile years before he was officially charged as such and then still have your sales soar for a while you know you know i just it feels very dirty business is dirty yes so so you could join our true crime dumpster facebook group where we post related pictures for the week's episode and discuss other true crimey things Follow us on Twitter at TC Dumpster and on Instagram at True Crime Dumpster. You can email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. We also have a website where we post our source info at, guess what, truecrimedumpster.com. So listen to our show on pretty much anything. Just Google it. If you don't know what a podcast is, you'll find it. Lastly... Rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about our podcast. Tune in next time where we talk out the trash. Bye. Bye.